0: All right. Welcome in. It's time for the Longhorn live stream on Sunday night. Uh, a lot of us, uh, including myself, just happened to watch the Cowboys kind of, I don't know. I think Dan Quinn was already in Seattle uh, today uh, making his way to replace, uh, uh, replace our, our friend Pete Carroll up in Seattle. But I uh, know in all seriousness, uh, the Longhorns uh, getting a big commitment earlier today. want to talk about that. I want to talk about the move in date. Uh, all these freshmen. Uh, Heading in uh, on uh, today, not all of them. Uh, We need to talk about that. Also, uh, an old friend of Rod's and I's is now an official member of the staff again at the University of Texas, it sounds like. And there's other uh, portal and coaching news to discuss as well. Uh, But uh, I'm Bobby Burton alongside C.J. Vogel up top there. Rod Babers on the bottom. Rod and and C.J., let's start with Isaiah Bond, the wide receiver out of Alabama, the number one ranked wide receiver in the portal. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian goes to Georgia on Friday night to visit with Bond in Georgia. Uh, he shows up in Austin on Saturday, is committed to the Longhorns by Sunday. This felt a lot like Quinn Ewers two years ago, guys, when Steve Sarkeesian said, this is the dude I need. I need to get there. Uh, and that's what exactly what he did. Uh, uh, CJ, I'm gonna, I talked to you earlier about uh, Isaiah Bond. I want to ask Rod. Rod, what do you think the Longhorns get With Isaiah Bond, young man out of
1: Alabama. Oh, man. They get a guy with um, an NFL skill set, right? He's got a Sunday skill set. This is a guy that's got uh, explosive high-end speed. Sark loves speed demons. He's a speed demon. He's a guy that's got verified track speed uh, as a speedster. Love the way he stacks DBs when he's running those deep routes. That's kind of a natural tendency for him as a wide receiver. Still is a very savvy route runner. Grading contested catches, uh, graded catching uh balls that are not necessarily accurate footballs, so you won't have to worry about that with Quinn. But uh, I've seen him go after and attack footballs, come back to the football. Uh, I just think he's one of those guys that, I mean, uh, right now he's stepping on campus. Uh, he's probably got uh, some of the highest upside, if not the highest upside for anybody in that wide receiver room. Uh, and to uh, say that, uh, thank you, Frank, and to say, you know, that this was a a an area that we were all concerned about uh, and that we were all a little bit anxious about uh, after the season was over because you were losing 80 close to 80% of your receiving production and now i don't know a week later i think we're all kind of giddy about it <laughs> and what Sark has done in that room since. Uh, so I, I'll give the staff a lot of credit, but that is a, that is a big get. It is a need for them. It's not just a luxury. It is a need. Texas had to replace that productivity at wide receiver. And it's the guy that's a proving commodity we talked about. It. They want productivity. They won't proven in commodities in the transfer portal. Bon Matthew Golden at the wide receiver position. I mean, that's what you're that's what you're getting. So uh, it is uh, it, just like Ad Mitchell had tremendous upside, had an NFL ceiling Sunday skill set. This young man, same way, no doubt about it.
0: Well, it, it's it's uh, one of those things where uh, that is not the only Alabama player that Texas is likely to be interested in. Uh, I want to mention now uh, at this time, I can't confirm. Texas has interest in Amari Nyblak, uh, the tight end out of Alabama that just entered the portal earlier today. Uh, Rod, I saw you shaking your head. When, I, when, I, when you ask me what kind of player did Tex, would Texas want in the portal at tight end, I would circle Amari Nyblak, the tight end out of Alabama, because he is athletic. He can run and stretch defenses, and he's big enough to play in line, and he fits alongside what Texas already has in Gunner Helm. Um, This is a guy that would be a perfect fit. He's originally from St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, but uh, we'll see exactly uh, if he uh, comes out and in Texas uh, gets a chance to get an official visit from him. Uh, Ny Black uh, had 20 catches last year, 277 yards, I believe, um, and uh, had that big touchdown against Texas as well. Uh, Just a big athletic tight end. Uh, Bond, uh, Ny Black, there may be others. Uh, Jamie French a, a wide receiver in out of the high school realm, uh, just went into or is no longer going to go to Alabama as well uh, a lot of different things going on we'll talk a little bit more about other uh, portal prospects including one that visited this weekend Silas Molden who says the Longhorns are the leader right now uh, but first I want to go back to Dwayne Akina uh, the uh, coach that coach Rod Babers our beloved Rod Babers here back in the day Rod uh, Dwayne taking a job uh Off field at Texas. uh, And I felt it was very appropriate last night uh, when Jade Barron accepted the jersey from Michael Huff, that number seven jersey, and said, hey, DBU and all this stuff. And I knew yesterday that that Coach Aquino was coming back um, new earlier this week. It's just awesome uh, to see a guy like that. And you call him your inspiration to becoming what you call a football investigator. Uh, Yeah. Your take on Dwayne Aquina joining uh, the team uh, back again?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I think it's I think it's tremendous. I, he is such a tremendous asset to have. And no matter, and like this he's going to be in an analyst role, so uh, you know he won't be out on the recruiting trail or anything like that. But just his football acumen, his football IQ. I mean, the way I break down the game and the way that I see the game is because of Coach Aquina. I didn't have any idea about the chess match within the game or, you know, the uh, thin slicing different clues as a football investigator before coach Akina. Uh, then after coach Aquina, my, the, the mental side of the game um, held a different uh, it was a different priority for me. Um, and he put a different emphasis on the mental side of the game. And I think it's what these guys need, right? Some of the things that they actually were, I think, struggling with as a secondary communication, right? They didn't communicate very well passing off different receivings and different route combinations in different coverages. I know that's something Coach McKinney can help with. Also, I think something something that, you know, Sark and PK and the staff are starting to uh, recruit, talking about a macro level. Remember the uh, the press conference that Sark had re, 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 um, introducing this recruiting class? And when he introduced the DBs, I went back and looked at it because I charted. I told you about this, Bobby and CJ i'm sure noticed it too when he was talking about the dbs he mentioned versatility i think or versatile eight different times introducing them dbs and talking about them he he mentioned position flex uh, another time he mentioned three position player, talking about Kobe Black another time. You talking about 10 different times where he's talking about versatility, position flex, three position players, and even mentioned that at any point in the careers of these guys he's bringing in, he's talking about six different guys now, all right, including McCoover in the transfer portal, they can end up playing star, corner, or safety, right? They can end up playing in those positions. And, guys, I don't think he was just throwing that, throwing that out there. I think that is intentional. I think it's deliberate, premeditated. I believe that's where they're going. The future, in my opinion, of, of football is positionless football, as much as you can get of it. And I do think that Sark, secondary-wise, I think that he wants to get more of an element of positionless football in the back end, guys who are malleable enough to move around. When you get so rigid, where this guy has to play field corner. This guy has to play boundary corner. This guy is a field safety. This guy can only play this position. It makes you easy to it, to it make, makes you easier to exploit. Uh in terms of an offense going up against a defense because once I learn the rules of your defense, then I can exploit them. Right? once I learn the rules of your defense, then I can exploit them. And when you have defenders that are malleable that can move around and move into p- different positions, And in a positionless manner, then it forces the defense to have to recalibrate exactly what the rules of defense are. They don't actually know what they are. And I think Texas got in trouble with that, with their safeties this season and with their nickel. Teams started to attack the nickel late in the season because they learned about the different rules of coverage when the nickel would travel, when the nickel wasn't going to travel, what was the leverage of the nickel in this position. And then you saw they attacked today. Last two games of the season, teams attacked today there. The best, this is the best core, it's the best DB you got, they attacked him. Why? Because they learned, they learned, oh, he's going to be in this position, in this situation, in this coverage, so we can manipulate him. So I think it is intentional and deliberate by this coaching staff. They want those three specific positions, both safeties and the nickel, to be malleable and to be interchangeable to, for all of those guys. Those, If you're going to play safety for Texas and play nickel for Texas, you got to be able to play both. And I think that's where they're going in the future. And that way you'll have a defense that's able to disguise a lot better and that's less rigid. Therefore, it's harder to take advantage and exploit them because you won't be able to determine what the rules of the defense are based on the lineup and based on just the alignment of a defender. Uh, You do that with Jaday Barron all the time. You can tell because sometimes he doesn't travel uh, in certain formations. Uh, that's why teams would go formation of boundary three by one sets. These are simple concepts that would expose Texas. Texas wants to get away from that. That's the next level, the chess match. The peak, uh, Akina can help with this because Akina, when I was there, he was, he was one of the, I was say godfathers and one of the kind of founding fathers of positionless football in the back end, in my, in my opinion, because when I played one of his ways to solve the air raid offense was to put Players on the field who are coverage defenders who could cover at all four or five positions in the secondary. That's why the guys I played with were Ahmaud Brooks, who played corner, then played safety. Uh, Nathan Basher, who was a safety, then played corner. Uh, Quinn Jammer, who was a corner, who was a corner, then played safety, then played corner again. <laughs> uh, and, and I played nickel, then played corner. I mean, that, that's why it was tough for teams to determine what the rules of our defense were. Pretty much we were playing man-to-man most of the time. But still, we were really good man-to-man coverage defender. So I think he can help out with what I think the direction in which this secondary wants to go, which is more of a versatility, uh, positionless, position flex manner.
0: I, th- I think that's a great way to put it because uh, Texas uh, wants to take that next step. I think they needed higher end talent to do it. And now they're going out and getting it, not only with Jade Barron coming back, but also with Andrew Makuba coming in. uh, These five defensive backs they've got coming in, Derek Williams back, Terrence Brooks. Uh, Now we need to talk about Jabbar Muhammad possibly as well. uh, The all-conference cornerback out of uh, the University of Washington. Uh, Texas expected to get a visit from him next week, although Oregon uh, also expected to be a prime uh, contender, contender as well. Uh, CJ, talking about that, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Bud, uh, it was move-in day on the 40 acres today. Uh, I think that uh, Taylor Searles, the director of uh, recruiting for the University of Texas, put out a list uh, with uh, some notable names on it, uh, etc. Uh, there was one missing, though, and we, we've we commented on it here, and that was Deontre Robinson, young man out of Orlando Jones. What is the latest there, and what else did you hear out of the, the group that showed up on campus today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I know this group was probably very chilly moving in. It was about 25 degrees in Austin whenever I woke up this morning. I'm sure it didn't get much uh, warmer as the day progressed. So hopefully they were able to, uh, you know, move in as as warmly as possible. I know the Texas staff does a tremendous job of getting them into San Jack ready to roll. I saw a a couple of the guys on, on uh, on social media post up their setups they've got in their room and stuff like that. But Bobby, you mentioned DeAndre Robinson not on that list. that Taylor Cyril's uh, tweeted out about, you know, the early enrollees moving into campus today. That is a result of Bo Davis having moved on to LSU. Texas is kind of in a waiting game right now with DeAndre Robinson in terms of when he will get to campus or if he will get to campus uh, in regards of, you know, whether or not he will fully be released or asked to be released from his uh NLI. So something to monitor there, obviously. Alex January did in fact make it to campus as well. A name that was on the list that Taylor Shearles tweeted out as well that might have been a little bit of a surprise was Freddie DuBose. Uh, Not necessarily someone I had on my early enrollee list. Uh, So that when you talk about the, uh, the, the wide receiver room and the picture that is starting to take place right now, getting all of these youngsters on the campus as early as possible is certainly something to keep a a close eye on and his addition to campus is something that that is worth noting right now uh but yeah i mean you can tell how cold it is right there with Zeno umia zulu moving in uh with the big puffer on so uh chilly day but the new era new class of texas football beginning uh this week really as classes get fired back up and uh winter workouts starting up soon
0: Rod Babers, they have not changed those move in buckets. Those baskets are the very same you moved in with. Same 30 years later, buddy. They have not changed those at
1: all. It looks like it. And they do look, look for the same. Added added to like that. to the back. Man, that's old school right there. All <laughs> the advanced technology. We have not in there, we have not updated those at all. Hey, I will say this. Hey, in the NFL though, they still give you a trash bag when they cut you. They take, your, <laughs> they take your fish and go. They still all the money a multi billion dollar enterprise. They will give you a trash bag when they cut you to get your stuff and go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, those guys having fun even without the even uh, in the uh, cold weather. I-, I was mentioning it earlier today. You real? You guys realize this is their first day on campus in four years' time. That could be the coldest they ever are in Austin. I mean, think about that. That's how cold it is today. Uh, for us, not only Austin, but around the rest of the country. Hey, uh, some other things to, to go over. Uh, you were mentioning DeAndre Robinson, CJ. Uh, one of the things that we were thinking a possibility at D-line coach for Steve Sarkeesian might be Freddie Roach, the defensive line coach at University of Alabama. He has been retained by mm. Kalen DeBoer, according to reports. Will not be coming to Texas. Not No longer a candidate, we don't believe. Uh, to be a possible uh, 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 replacement for Bo Davis. Uh, We'll continue to monitor that. One thing I do want to say is Alex January did enroll. and did show up on campus, the defensive lineman out of Duncanville. Uh, That's the interior defensive tackle that was recruited also uh, by Bo Davis and had come down uh, ironically to between Texas and LSU. His dad, Mike played at Texas, uh, of course, but they have family in Louisiana. Mike's actually originally from Lake Charles. Uh, So, uh, that was a good one. That's that's positive news in my opinion for the University of Texas uh, because he had such a big time year, especially late in the year where he looked like he was coming on. All right, other news and notes. Uh, we talked about uh, the defensive line coach position. There are a lot of names out there. We got to figure out who all is going to be, who it actually is going to be. Uh, we'll see. I do believe that Texas has found their defensive line coach and not reported yet. I do believe. Uh, Rod Wright, uh, the special assistant to the deep line coach of Houston, Texas, is one of those. He, of course, was on the national championship team in 2005. Uh, then you also have uh, Oscar Giles, uh, the former Texas defensive end, uh, became a defensive line coach under Mac Brown, uh, and then also returned later uh, in, in uh, coached with uh, Tom Herman. He's been at Wyoming the last couple of years with Craig Bowl. Uh, then you have a plethora of guys that are, how would I put this, that are uh, uh, from in the NFL, whether that's Clint Hurd up at Seattle, Ryan Nielsen uh, at uh, at Atlanta, who I think wants to stay in the NFL, uh, as well as Zarnell Fitch uh, out of Texas Tech. All of those guys' names that we have heard or I have heard personally as possibilities uh, for the Texas job at this point. I can't pinpoint exactly who it's going to be. However, I think Steve Sarkeesian uh, has that one. Kind of on lockdown all right uh let's uh, let's skip back and take some questions from the audience guys uh there is just so much to cover today a lot of uh recruiting news going on especially in the portal a lot of uh, uh different avenues opening uh jed fish taking the job today at washington it sounds like uh, he's the former arizona coach of course johnny nansen and Dwayne Aquina just coming over from arizona that means there's a 30-day window to recruit Arizona players, potentially, for the Longhorns. They had a good young defensive front, uh, maybe a defensive lineman, maybe a linebacker. And, of course, they had a wide receiver named Territory McMillan that was as good as anybody in, in the country this year. Uh, perhaps they go that direction. You just never know. Steve Sarkeesian's been extraordinarily uh, opportunistic, I think. Hey, hey, talk about that, C.J., Um, how opportunistic you think uh, Steve Sarkeesian's been. Like, there's somebody said, I think he was saving all his NIL for Alabama and Nick Saban to go. I mean, do you think that that, there was something to that? Do you think that maybe Sark knew there was going to be another domino to fall, whether that was Nick Saban or somebody else, that there were going to be better and better players out there, that this wasn't the last run at Guy's? Yeah, I,
2: whether he knew or not, I, I think the point is he's very specific in wanting impact players to to target in the portal, and he's not going to go pursue someone just to pursue him. You know, it's going to be the right fit, and if it's not, he's not going to push, and he's not going to press for someone that he doesn't believe is the right fit, and that's important in the sense that when that right fit does come along uh, into the portal down the road, Texas is now able to jump in, and they won't run into a numbers issue, or they won't won't run into you know, having too many bodies at a position of need because they took guys prematurely because there was a need. It's not just taking a guy to take a guy at a spot. They're taking the right guys. It's a precise uh, attack on the portal, as we keep mentioning, and we're seeing it once again. It's almost like you run down the list of imports from the portal uh, and you're looking at an all-star caliber, all-conference roster. I mean, that's how talented these – Additions are obviously with Isaiah Bond now in the fold. You're adding him to a, a class of a, you know, where you have an all American freshman defensive back. You got a guy that has 22 sacks in two years. We know what Matthew Golden can do a thousand yards in the last two seasons. I mean, this is just a really impressive targeted approach in the portal and it's seemingly uh, not going to stop anytime soon. So uh, it's, it's impressive. I, I think what we continue to see, and I think we will continue to see on the defensive line because Texas needs to add another piece there in my eyes. Uh, it, it's going to be an impact guy with a lot of skin on the wall already uh, from where he's been, wherever that might be. That's just who Texas is targeting. That's who they covet out of the portal and coming in, it's going to be an impact guy.
0: I'm looking at it. Uh, you mentioned those four now, uh, Texas up to four midterm enrollees through the portal. Silas Bolden, we talked a little bit about that's the receiver from uh Oregon State he is not a midtermer as we first reported here on on Texas football. Uh, he's going to be a, a spring grad uh and will come in the summer. He had actually had more catches than either Bond or Matthew Golden this year with 54. He's also a pretty good punt returner uh and kick returner. He averaged 33 yards on on punt returns this year, but he only returned 3, Rod. So you got to you got to forgive him for that. Uh, yeah. but a good good player all around, smaller though. Um 5'8" 155, 160, but he has some juice to him. Uh, That's what uh, Sark told him he liked. He was scheduled to visit Arizona next weekend. You have to think that that visit is off now, given that they don't have a coach. Uh, The other school he was seemingly interested in was Washington as well as USC. Uh, We'll see what happens there. Uh, The other visitor that Texas had in that had not committed yet uh, was Kendrick Blackshire, the linebacker out of Duncanville uh, by way of the University of Alabama. He's more of a downhill David Benda type of linebacker, for lack of a better term. Uh, he was in uh, Texas. We'll see whether or not Texas really goes on him at this point in time. They did like him. He's also looking at Ole Miss, uh, among others. A couple other recruiting notes uh, from the transfer portal. Jabbar Muhammad, young man out of the University of Washington by way of Oklahoma State. In the Metroplex, Texas uh, assistant coach Terry Joseph met with him yesterday in uh, in Dallas. Uh, So did the University of Oregon. Oregon right now is the leader, but Muhammad is expected to visit Texas on uh, uh, next week. Rod Mm -hmm. and CJ, the issue here, Mm -hmm. you start adding Muhammad along with Brooks, uh, Makuba, uh, Manny Muhammad, along with Derek Williams. You're starting to get some guys that are enough back there. You agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you add Jabbar Muhammad, I would go as far as to predict the second day will be a strength. Yeah, it'd be a, it, it there's no doubt it'd be a strength. you add mccuba to the mix uh you know a guy that can play nickel and and safety for you so he can manufacture depth but he's also a, a, a guy that's a playmaker he's got i mean he'll play on sundays too he's an nfl player Jade baron's an nfl player um you know you started talking about derrick williams he projects to be an nfl player you bring in Jabar muhammad that guy's gonna play on sundays too because he's a hell of a player I mean, you're talking about having NFL players <laughs> every position in the secondary, pretty much. That would be next level, and all those guys can cover. And all those guys, because most of them, you know, you got guys who have coverage skills back there at safety and at corner. Um, that would be a hell of an upgrade over one season where your pass defense, you know, in a sense, is what lost you that game versus Washington. I mean, that was your biggest weakness all season long, and it came to the forefront in that game, and you were exposed. But as I pointed out you were remember i kept saying this you're a year ahead right you're a year early which means you're also a year early in roster construction it means it means you you had you know you don't have as many acquisition cycles to be able to fill those holes and i do think they were waiting on the secondary and i think that's evidenced by look at the recruiting class five dbs got six of them with Makuba coming in so i just think this is the class that they're they're addressing it and if they get Jabbar Muhammad, then yeah, that's that will be next level. I, I include Coach Aquila in that, throw him in there too. Him coming uh, to include the overhaul of the secondary, and really that could be a go from being a weakness to a strength in just one offseason. I,
0: I, I've got a question here, and this is a good one from David Keith Williams. Uh, Rod, how difficult will it be for UT to immediately go from an interior DL centric defense? To a DB-centric defense, it seems to me the secondary is now clearly the best part of the UT defense. I've got to say this: with the addition hmm. of Trey Moore, don't sleep on, and the fact that Baron Sorrell is going to be a senior, Ethan Burke's back, and you have Anthony Hill as your probably number one playmaker on defense. Don't don't sleep on the front. But uh, what do you think about this? Uh the, Definitely the interior DL is no longer going to be the strength of the team next year unless they do something crazy in the portal. It's going yeah. to be DB-centric. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I, I like that point that David Keith Williams brought up. Basically, you go from the strength being your front seven to your back seven. Right? And then how do you build the defense if you're basically going to build it and construct it strength-wise from the outside in instead of the inside out, like you've been for the last two years Uh, I've never been, you know, great defenses. It seems to be constructed like that. Hell, Honestly, Sark can go study the Legion of Boom. The Legion of Boom was built like that. Legion of Boom was a a defense that was built from the outside in. And that was the beauty of it, right? It was built kind of from the outside in. And that was the strength of it. And I think you can really – I mean, I I think Texas has had really good kind of uh, interior D-line presence with every great defense. I I think that's just – Part of it, you gotta have a an interior defensive line that can, you know, be the rock of Gibraltar, if you will, to build around. Um, But I don't think there's no doubt they won't be as dominant as they've been the last two years. Alfred Collins, Vernon Broaden, you know, that's enough to start with. I, as long as you're not a weakness there, and I don't think you can ever be weak there and consider yourself a great defense. So they, it won't be a they won't be a liability in their interior D line. They just won't be the dominant um strength that they once were the last two years and you lost Bo Davis that coach too. you still replace him I'm sure they'll find a really good D-line coach but my point is I agree with David Keith that you're going to build this you're going to kind of build the the secondary and the the coverages basically paired up with a synced up with the pressure packages that's going to matter even more now the coordination of the two because I think they should be coordinated based on you projecting your secondary to be able to hold up in coverage longer Right. That's what last season and the season before. I don't know if you trusted your secondary to hold up at all. And you were, I think your philosophy was based on that. And you you would call plays based on now all my secondary is gonna hold up. Now, if you can if you believe your secondary can hold up for a half a second, second longer in order for you to get to the quarterback based on your pressure packages you would you call your defenses differently or you believe they can cover man-to-man. Sarkis already said they want to play tighter man-to-man. They want to play more man-to-man defense. They want to play more bump-and-run press man-to-man defense. Well, you got to have better players overall to do that. They do. They upgrade it there. So maybe they'll just go play in more press man-to-man, be the aggressor, force the opponent to make the adjustment. It'll be interesting to see. I agree with David Keith, though. You do have to uh, have a different philosophy when the strengths of your defense or the second, the, the back seven instead of the front seven.
0: Got it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking at it right now. And I, I, I just feel like Texas, you know, we're far away from them having been uh, a cohesive unit yet. Yes. I don't know that you can call it a, a strength entirely. I see that coming to yours and David's point though, right? That's That looks like it's on the come right now. Uh, all right, we're going to go to some more questions. Thanks for everybody for getting them in. Uh, we got about thirty minutes that uh, we're going to do some questions. This one from Juan Bobby. Do you think Johnny Nansen will be a candidate for the Arizona job? I really don't think so. Um, I, I I I don't see that happening. I think somebody uh, else will be the a candidate there. They went from an offensive coach. They really liked the offense uh, that they had. I suspect them to stay on that side of the ball. Uh, we'll see though. Uh, you never know what might happen. Uh, with uh, with that situation as well there. Uh, this one from KD35, I'm the best. Judd Fitt, or Jed Fish going to UW now. Any immediate guys, if, if they enter, you think Texas goes after, the saving effect continues. Other coaches leaving means more teams with players Texas could tar- want and target. Uh, this is true. Uh, the, the thing that happens here is if, if a head coach leaves, yeah. it, that, the assistant coach leaving doesn't trigger anything. A head coach leaves, 30 days starts. Uh, Territory McMillan uh, out of uh, Arizona is one of the better receivers around the country. Uh, I think he would be someone Texas would want. There's a linebacker uh, that uh, Texas would think just about anybody might be interested in, to be honest, Uh, at at, uh, Arizona. They have a junior defensive lineman that's a maybe, Uh, but we'll see uh, what Texas does. It would be interesting. I would say this, I wouldn't expect Nansen or uh, Dwayne Aquina to do that if Jed Fish had stayed at Arizona. With Jed Fish leaving Arizona, that creates a different element there, uh, in my opinion. CJ, uh, you nodding your head. You agree with that assessment?
2: Yeah, I know that there's always some sort of unwritten rule that coaches like to follow just in, in like a cordial relationship, s- sustaining way uh, uh, of not necessarily uh, going out and poaching players right away. If there's, you know, successor in place or if they're we're keeping a staff from within, that's not necessarily something that all coaches follow, obviously, but you do see it pretty often when coordinators or coaches take jobs elsewhere. Uh, it's, it's not too often where you see that coach then going back to, to where he came from to then poach and take with him to where he's headed. Uh, so it, it's a case-by-case case thing, but like you said, with, with Fish now kind of pinned in to be that next Washington head coach, all bets are off with that roster, I would say, uh, and you really never know who might enter the portal as a result of that.
0: All right. Uh, here's one from uh, Tyler Davis. Uh, is Isaiah Bond better, same level, or slightly below the level of Adonai Mitchell? I've watched both. I think AD is a bit better, but Bond is more explosive. What about you guys? Rod, I like A.D.
2: Mitchell. I'm as big of an A.D. Mitchell fan that you'll find. I think he should have been implemented more in that offense throughout the duration of the season. I thought at times Texas went away from him too often. Uh, But with that said, I love what Isaiah Bond brings to the table. They're two different receivers in the sense that the speed and breakaway ability of Isaiah Bond is more – uh, noticeable on film than what you see with ad Mitchell who uh, obviously being a bigger body is gonna go up and catch balls at the point of attack uh, you know more often uh, the yards after catch not necessarily what ad Mitchell was known for either uh, though having the ability to do so you will see more of you know the the quick game and go for Isaiah Bond you will see him getting the ball uh, down the field after the catch significantly more than you will with ad Mitchell so different skill sets. A lot of production with Isaiah Bond this past season, which is what you want. And the Sarkeesian offense specifically, if you can continue to use this speed to stretch the field, it'll open up everything else underneath uh, for John T. Cook, Matthew Golden, whoever else Texas has in that wide receiver room as well. Uh, but right now, I listen, A.D. Mitchell's in that first-round caliber uh, you know, mock drafts for a reason. I, I, Isaiah Bond might take that leap this year, but losing A.D. Mitchell is going to be felt- Texas just doing a great job right now, masking it with speed and, and and big playability guys uh as a result right now.
0: Rob, what do you think? Is AD mm-hmm. Mitchell or Adnai Mitchell a better fit for this Texas offense? than the Isaiah Bonds. Um, AD
1: Mitchell and... was um I think I think I think CJ's right. I think it's a preference thing, right? I think it's depending on what you need. AD Mitchell was perfect for what Texas needed uh this past season. Cause they need a guy that can win one-on-ones consistently and always beat man-to-man coverage. And A.D. Mitchell could always do that. I mean, it's basically if even Alabama, Alabama DBs, some of those guys are going to be drafted in the first round. They had trouble man-to-man up against A.D. Mitchell. And that was the whole point because X-Man has gravity. He was going to draw a lot of the, you know, rotations, he's going to draw a lot of the double coverage, the bracket coverage, and teams were able to take him away. And I love Jay Witt, but Jay Witt doesn't consistently always beat man-to-man coverage, right? He's he's gotten better at it, and I think he, he can. I'll have confidence in him to do it. But A.D. Mitchell, as, you know, C.J. just described, that's why he's projected to be a first- or second-round guy. It's because when they put the film on, well, when oh. he's a man-to-man, he wins. And that's what the NFL wants because the NFL – great offensive minds are all about they're all about being able to manipulate matchups. They're just trying to orchestrate and scheme up one-on-ones. And one-on-ones in the NFL, my guy's better than your guy. Go win. That's what we're paying you for. Go win. And AD Mitchell go, he wins. And uh X-Man wins consistently. That's and that's why Steve Sarkeesian, going, he's going after receivers that could do that. So if you're look talking about it overall, Isaiah Bond can do that too. He just does it in a different way. And I think when you look at A.D. Mitchell, it's not always about creating a tremendous amount of separation. Um, He can do that at times with precision route running, but it's not always a lot of separation. He's just got great body control, next level body control, catch radius through the roof. Hands are excellent and he can contort his body in ways that most DBs cannot. <laughs> and we've seen that multiple times this season. Him if you throw the ball in the right spot and, and, and Quinn seems to he seems to figure him out later on the season. Hey man, just throw it in a in a place where he can get it in his catch radius and he'll adjust his body to it. Even did it in the Sugar Bowl, right? Versus Washington. And I think if you're looking at a guy like Isaiah Bunn, he's gonna try, he's gonna do it more with separation and explosivity as CJ just talked about, right? You're going to see, it's going to jump off the, the page to you. Um, I, I don't think he has the, what I haven't seen on display, the body control skills um, or maybe the catch radius of an A.D. Mitchell. But the speed, uh, man, he'll, he'll. I mean, he's got top-end speed. Something A.D. Mitchell, I don't think he has. That's what we're questioning with A.D. Mitchell. He's got to go to the combine and confirm, I got some speed. If he confirms he's got low four, five to high 4.4 four speed, he's good. But if he runs a high four five 4.5 for six, man, he in trouble. He can play in the NFL, but they may not draft him in the first round. A guy like, you know, you start looking at the high-end speed, that's ultimately what I think he's going to offer that A.D. Mitchell could not offer. Isaiah Bunn will have that, and Sark loves that because he wants to take the top off of defense, and he wants to be able to scheme up explosive movement routes. Guys getting the ball on the move can run to daylight.
0: That it, it almost like it's like this. You talk about the preference. Uh, who would you rather have in the Miami Dolphins offense? Right. Would you rather have exactly. an A.D. Mitchell type or an Isaiah Bond? You'd rather have an Isaiah Bond in a Miami Dolphins type of offense. Right. Yeah, uh, that, that's the that's the difference. Although in this offense last year, no doubt to Rod's point. I mean, A.D. Mitchell helped win that TCU game. So that, that mm-hmm. ability to win one-on-one also win, and have win the 50-50 ball is, is huge. CJ, you had something there? Yeah, I was going to say that
2: just one more point on the, the topic of the wide receivers. Rod, earlier you mentioned the versatility and kind of ability of the defensive backs to be able mm-hmm. to move in from nickel to corner to safety, whatever the formation is. It doesn't necessarily tip your tendencies as a result of who's playing in which spot because you cross train so often uh, with those guys in the secondary. Texas is now building or at least accumulating a lot of the similar style wide receivers right now that get separation through their speed and ability uh, to run routes. You look Mm -hmm. at the builds of Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond, uh, Jonte Cook, all of them around six foot, 185 to 190. Isaiah Bond's a little smaller. He's about 5'11", 180. But he's in that similar kind of frame where the three of them are going to separate by their speed and ability uh, to, to really just create separation in their routes. As a result, they will get the ball with more space than what we. I think we saw Texas at times with Jordan Whittington and A.D. Mitchell, who all, you know, no no knock there because they were tremendous at the point of attack when the ball came close to them uh, with their hands. But now you're going to see more explosive yards after catch. So Mm -hmm. to the original question, who would you rather have in this offense? I think Sarkeesian would rather prefer separation over someone who... Is in, you know, for lack of better terms, a possession guy, because you have the opportunity to get the ball in space, make a guy miss and take it to the house. Whereas I think we saw a little bit this this past year, Texas was completing passes beyond the sticks out of necessity, necessity, not because there was a, a, a true ability to get beyond the sticks. Or past the stakes after the, the catch, so I think that's something that we're seeing right now. Texas start taking a little bit more of a turn towards getting the big time playmakers with speed and separation ability, uh, and and just getting a lot of them, accumulating yep. a lot of them. We're looking at it right now with Silas Bolden as well. Texas recruiting a small guy that can separate and has great speed, more so than going after what we would necessarily call you know that that big body wide receiver uh, that you see so often
0: on on, on teams.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, TJ. That's money. It's good stuff. All right.
0: Uh, hey, a couple other questions here from T. Outlaw. Jim Harbaugh leaving. Anyone know? I don't know. But I know that that would be a free-for-all on their talent, although I oh. think they would move quickly uh, to hire Sharon Moore uh, as a replacement. Oh, really? Coordinator. Yeah, I think they would move quickly in that regard if Brian Kelly is not available. Uh, J.J. So imagine if? Can you imagine if that – Carousel got into process where it went from Jed Fish, Kalen DeBoer, Nick Saban, Jed Fish, and then Jim Harbaugh. Three of the four coaches in the uh, college football playoff leave their teams after one year. That'd be absolutely astounding. Uh, Captain Americano. Good evening, gentlemen. Does Sark's new contract address pay raises for his staff? Change is inevitable with success, but some continuity would be nice. Uh, Look, uh, Sark absolutely... Uh, as any part of any coach's uh, contract, not a, not part of his contract, but as part of his understanding, he knows that he gets a certain amount for his assistance. In Texas, uh, at least under Chris Del Conte and DeLoss Dodds, uh, I can't speak to Steve Patterson because that's a different story. But at least under those two athletic directors, Texas has not been stingy when it comes to their assistant yeah. coaches. They've been highly, highly uh, competitive uh, in that regard. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, here's one from uh, T. Outlaw again. Do you guys think Juan Davis will transfer if we get mm-hmm. another tight end? There was thought that he might be uh, toying with that uh, opportunity even prior to this, uh, CJ. What do you think? I think you
2: always run the risk of seeing guys on the roster right now. You know, I, you kind of run the idea of entering the portal when new additions from the portal come in. Because it's, you know, the the staff went out and grabbed them for a reason, whether it's said or not prior. That's kind of the risk you run whenever you add additions from the portal. Uh, But even more so, and I think that risk is magnified even more so when, you know, said players have rumored and and toyed around with the portal previously in the case of Juan Davis. So uh, it would be unfortunate, but I don't think it would be a surprise if Texas went out, added a tight end from the portal, and then saw... Attrition as a result. That's just kind of the give and take uh, that in the current day of the NCAA transfer portal.
0: You know, I'm getting uh, other questions here. John Adams, how much is NIL going to play a part in Amari Niblack's recruitment? I I don't know Amari Niblack from, uh, I've never talked to him before. I I don't think he's been, uh, I don't think he's (laughs) made a public comment in that regard. Okay. Um, But I can tell you, that what has been surprising to me to learn over the last 72 hours is this. Alabama did not have what I would call a war chest as it relates to NIL. They were leaning heavily on Nick Saban's ability to develop people and players, and they may not have half or even a third of what Texas has in NIL capabilities.
2: Yep. I actually Uh, heard this afternoon, Bobby, that in the exit interviews at the end of the season, that was probably the most talked about conversation point uh, with Nick Saban and his roster was, you know, how can NIL become more of a factor at the university of Alabama, which is a little surprising considering, you know, obviously the talent they're able to attract, but that's more so to Saban.
1: Yep. But remember Dion, when when Nick Saban was calling out other coaches uh, allegedly and Dion said, he's not talking to other coaches guys. He's talking to his his boosters and his donors So that's, that's what he's talking to when he was talking about ranting about nil and how it's rampant he was really talking to his do- boosters and donors and that was more of a message to them and even dion's quote when saban decided he was going to retire when the news broke uh dion said he essentially hinted that it was the kind of the unchecked uh un- unchecked new landscape of college sports nil transfer portal that may have pushed the goat out a little bit too early. Eli Drinkowitz actually said something very similar. He said, uh, they hinted that that's why Nick Saban decided to hang it up. He was like, nah, man, it, it basically the job has become way too tough for him uh, at this point, because it is a, it's a way different job than it used to be. And some of the advantage that he had for being the goat, um, you know, and that reputation that CJ just talked about in the new landscape of the NIL being the law of the land it doesn't have the same cachet and he doesn't have the same clout that he once did. he used to walk in a living room and hell man, Nick Saban, his sales pitch was, was gold. That was money and his sales pitch wasn't working the same as it used to. And he started to notice that I think, and he understood also once he had the guys on campus, That the goat used to be able to kind of de-recruit these guys once I got them on campus, break down and build up better football character. But you know, it took a, I had to, you know, they had to have their ego bruised a little bit to do that. These days, hey, guys don't like to have their ego bruised. They have the transfer portal, all right? They got options, and so some of the some of the tactics, some of the methods that made him the goat, it just he realized that it was it's you know it wasn't having the same effect. Now the guy still made it to the college football playoffs, so he's still the goat. But they're implying that, hey, man, the job is just a whole lot tougher than it used to be. And by the way, there's no down – there's no by, there's no off-season for these coaches anymore in college. Done. Until they change the calendar, done. It is year-round. You ain't got no off-season. You better get it in when you can. No off-season. It's done. And he even hinted that, man, I'm too old. Age was an issue for him. Being that old and having no bye week and no time off – not bye week, but no, no time off and no off-season – And I think that's why they got to figure out a way to, you know, address the the changing landscape of college sports. And by the way, that guy could be the commissioner. Matter of fact, they should just make him the honorary commissioner of college football right now and let him start addressing some of these issues that he has been complaining about.
0: You know, I got to, I think of this when I think of Nick Saban, Uh, the cards aren't weren't stacked in his favor anymore. Yes. He's the goat. And he created that situation for himself uh, at, at Alabama in large part. But uh, when when things like that change categorically, it'll change what you want to do with your life a little bit, I think. Uh, and so I, I just I feel like that's part of it. Uh, then I want to I want to say this. You mentioned him being a, a czar of college football. Rod, I completely agree. Uh, uh, in Nashville last week, the National College Football Coaches Association had their meeting uh, in their convention. They elected Craig Bowl, the former Wyoming coach, as the new head of the uh, college football coaches association, Uh, there's a lot of talk about trying to push forward an idea uh, that those guys at that top level of group of schools uh, will have an opportunity to be a little bit different. Uh, That's something that I think that that we're going to see down the line a year or two uh, or more, but uh, that is, that is moving forward in the background in my opinion Uh, and somebody like Nick Saban, Would be uniquely qualified uh, to speak to it on in every aspect, in my opinion. All right, I got a couple more questions here. We got about forty-five minutes in. Got fifteen minutes more. Get your questions in if you want to hear them uh, out here. Uh, Robert Muhammad, with the roster that's being built, can you see Texas getting double-digit wins against the rosters they will face next year? I'm going to ask Rod. I'm going to start with you. Okay, put you on the spot. Colorado State, better roster next yep. year. Yes, Michigan better roster. Yeah. You think Texas have a better roster than Michigan next year? Michigan's losing a
1: lot. Michigan is losing a lot, including
0: J.J. Yeah. McCarthy, who just decided to go pro today.
2: Possibly a head yeah. coach. I. Michigan's
0: going to be looking like a, a complete rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lying. Mm-hmm. Hey, UTSA, Frank Harris isn't going for an eighth year, is he? I think so. <laughs> I think he's back. You think Frank Are Harris you is back? I think
2: he is. I thought I saw during the bowl game he was returning. He didn't play in the bowl game because he wanted to be fully <laughs> healthy for the upcoming year. I am I could be what? wrong here, but I'm pretty wow. sure that was the case.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> oh, I don't even wow. know that.
0: Louisiana Monroe, you have to think Texas has a better roster. Yes, Uh, Mississippi State. Got to think Texas has a better roster. Everybody agree with that? Yes. They don't even have. They don't have a quarterback yet, right? Uh, Mm. uh, Oklahoma. No
1: better roster than the Sooners. They're replacing the coordinator too. Don't forget that. No, and and no 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 returning on lineman. I'll take I'll take Texas.
0: Okay, Georgia. (laughs) Oh,
1: not (laughs) Rod are (laughs) dress. I'm not sure about that one. I don't know about that one. No, nah, I don't know if they got a better roster than Georgia. Not I don't yet.
0: Think they do. No, I, I just, I just be honest. I don't. Uh, Georgia's got uh, more upperclassmen than Texas next year, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Vandy. Yep.
0: Texas, yep. Florida. They should have a better roster, but Florida's going to have a bunch of defensive linemen back. At they that could. point in the year, Florida might
2: be cooked looking at their schedule. So it, it, it might be interesting to see how bought in that Florida team is at November 9th.
0: Yeah. Is that, is that's that true. Billy, Billy Napier swan song, right? It could be. Yep. Arkansas, uh, you know, KJ Jackson. Jones, by the way, he's in the portal.
2: Jaquinnon Jackson's there now. Who is? Jaquinnon Jackson.
0: Oh, as a running back. Oh, there you that's go. That's correct. Yep. Uh, Kentucky actually has, a good sneaky roster. good roster, guys. If they, they were very active early play. on in the portal, what's that?
2: Very active early on in the portal. One of the teams that was landing a lot of big names as as the portal opened up immediately. They did a great
0: job in the portal. A and M. How about this? Is I think that's closer roster wise than maybe Texas fans want to think. Yep. because they 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 held on to a lot of guys and they've done well in the portal as well. Yeah. What are they up to about 18 guys out of the portal? They've done a good job. They just got the tight end from uh, University of Washington via Fresno State that I think was a good player, too. They've had quite a few. The, the defensive end edge prospect for Purdue, a uh, good player as well. All right, uh, that, that's going to do that one, uh, Robert. I hope we answered your question a little bit about what we think. Does that get them to double-digit wins, though? Look, it's, w- we, we shall see. Sure. We we shall see. The offense is going to need to come to play next year. I, I I will tell you that much. All right. Here's Brady Spell. Uh, no more promises of g- degeneracy from Bobby Burton, contingent on UT wins. God <laughs> is protecting that man's decency. Gonna guarantee losses, Brady. I agree with you in so many different ways, man. Uh, Lane C <laughs> right here. I'm going to put this to both Rod and CJ uh, of the transfers and commits. Who will help evolve our identity and be a difference maker in the red zone? We talked about
2: separation. We talked about separation at the wide receiver position. That's where Texas is going. You're going to see that with Bond and Golden. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of of that use with Xavier Worthy. Obviously, I think the whip route um, near the goal line is the most underrated route to beat man coverage. Whip routes and jerks. Big Mm -hmm. fan of those near the goal line. We've obviously talked about how impressive that route was against Iowa State at home two years ago. I would like to see more of that with the current wide receiver construction in that room right now. That's going to be the strength is creating quick, uh, sudden separation from DBs. I think it's going to be Bond uh, going to be that guy where you can kind of just, you know, give a quick shake and have, you know, a, a half step or two on your DB in the red zone specifically, that's going to be
1: uh, something that Texas needs in 2024. That's good. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting because I, if the red zone issues persist, if they are an issue again, uh, it'll be worth a deep dive on it, right? Because maybe it's a maybe it's a Steve Sarkeesian issue post Bijan and Rojo, or maybe it's a Quinn issue specifically after that. Because I mean, this season didn't make any sense. The truth is, it didn't. You got two NFL wide receivers, <laughs> uh, you got an NFL tight end the biggest offensive line in the Big 12, an NFL quarterback, honestly, it should get easier for you in the red zone. But it didn't. It got tougher for Texas in the red zone. Um, I think for Sark, he stopped thinking about plays and more about players toward the end of the season. Even in the Sugar Bowl, he admitted that, you Know, uh, he had plays that were meant for uh JT Sanders, uh, that you know that Washington was able to take away. Uh, they went a few times to AD Mitchell down the red zone, so I think they started thinking about players specifically and not necessarily plays. So it is a great question. I, and I think CJ just answered it will definitely be one of the wide receivers. Um, and uh, I would say he's probably going to be either Matthew Golden or you know Isaiah Bond. I think CJ's right about that um and it'll be interesting to see how sark uses those guys differently in the red zone cj just mentioned the you know the whip route uh you know you could do different things i mean you don't have an ad mitchell right he was your your red zone 50 50 guy you want to throw a old school fades to ad mitchell um and i wonder how they'll try to attack different teams with the wide receivers in the red zone uh this time around but yes no doubt it's got to be one of the wide receivers because otherwise you're not necessarily adding much to the offense in that regard as a strategic red zone weapon.
0: Got it. Uh, hey, got some more questions here. Uh, this one from Brent last. Uh, we need to reset a little bit. We haven't talked about, we've had a couple hundred people join since the outset or more than that. Uh, one of the things we mentioned is uh, in this uh, opening was that DeAndre Robinson, the young man out of Orlando Jones, he wasn't a five-star. He wasn't one of the higher rated defensive linemen, Texas uh, added in this last cl- class. Uh, Is not in Austin, even though he was scheduled to be in Austin over the weekend to start school next week. Uh, We do think he's going to ask out of his national letter of intent. And we think that Texas will likely give that to him since Bo Davis moved on uh, from defensive line coach from Texas uh, to LSU. That's the one you're talking about, Brent. Uh, His name again is Deontre Robinson. Uh, Tyler uh, asked this question as well. And this brings us back full circle, Rod. Uh, this may have been answered. Just jumping on the screen, Rod, are you excited for Coach Akina
1: to be back? Yeah, I, I'm excited for the players. Honestly, I'm excited for Jada Barron to get a chance. I mean, Jada Barron's going to have a chance there to have been, you know, coached in some uh, respect by Gary Patterson and Coach Akina, uh, both in analyst roles. But still, I mean, those are two of the great. Defensive back coach it, coaching minds uh, in the history of college football, uh, in terms of coordinating coverage and um, just guys who have a tremendous amount of respect. But Coach Akina, as an analyst, because you know that means he's not going to be recruiting and not necessarily on-field coaching, so he'll be more what it—self-scouting and advanced scouting, that kind of stuff. But I, I just that guy's football mind, um, his ability to to teach the game. Uh, is next level. I mean, he taught me about the chess match within the game and taught me about all the different clues and the so nuances uh, of being a defensive back. And I kind of you know, coordinated that into being a great football investigator. I mean, he taught me all those, uh, those real, those detailed um, oriented strategies as a defensive back. So everything I discussed with you guys is all Coach Akina. Uh, you know the coaching techniques and fundamentals and lessons uh that I learned from him, and nothing against all the other dB coaches that I had. I had some great ones, but his lessons stood out, and I think he's gonna be a tremendous asset for him and I think where they where they're going, I talked about this earlier, it's, it's obvious that Sark wants a more versatile defensive backfield. He, he's, he brought up that word like eight different times in the introductory press conference for the recruiting class. He talked about position flex, talked about Kobe Black being a three-position player. He even talked about the entire class of DBs that they're bringing in, that uh, these guys can end up playing corner, star, and nickel. Any of them can end up playing corner, star, and nickel. And strangely enough, you know, when, when my man Coach Aquino was on campus, When he was asked to come up with a task, I should say, to come up with an antidote to the air raid, his antidote was the five-tool DB. I need DBs that are so versatile that they are never at a matchup disadvantage. So I'll put nothing but defensive backs on the field who have versatility in their skill sets. And we ended up with a defensive backfield of Quinn Jammer, uh, Ahmad Brooks, Nathan Basher, and myself, and three of three of those four guys, I'm the only one who didn't play played safety and played corner in their career at Texas. That was not a coincidence. Nathan Basher played all three, corner, nickel, and safety. So that was not a coincidence. And going forward, guys like Michael Griffin, guys like Michael Huff, uh, you know, the future of DBU, it really was built on the the foundation of this five tool DB, uh, you know, uh, think tank and idea uh, that. Coach Akina Coach had that eventually was, I think, a great countermeasure and a great matchup uh, I, I, against the air raid, air raid offenses, which took over the Big 12. And eventually, you know, the, Oklahoma won the national title running the air raid offense. So my point is, he's got a lot of experience working with DBs with versatile skill sets to try to uh, maximize them and get them to become uh, the best version of themselves as a overall five tool DB it would start going in that same direction. Maybe Sark's already thinking about this is why he wanted Coach Aquino on the staff, or maybe he's not thinking about it, but if he isn't, it's a great added value for the staff to have Coach Aquino on there in the direction that they're going.
0: Well, I, I think I think that I'm excited because I think that the, it brings back guys like you, Rod, Michael Huff, Cedric Cedric Griffin, Michael Griffin, guys that we've had on the show before. Uh, I know they all, to a man, have a lot of respect for Duane Aquina. Um, And, you know, you're you're not a young chicken anymore. You know, no you've, been, you've seen some things. You're a dad now. You've been through it a little bit. And the fact that you still have that kind of respect for him, I think speaks a lot about who he was and what he meant to you as a person. And so hopefully the young 18 to 19, 22-year-old uh, guys that are playing for Texas now see that same kind of uh, – have that same kind of influence as well, who is that right there?
1: <laughs> who is that? Hey. You got more hair there than you've hey, ever had man. in your life,
0: Rod neighbors.
1: Look at that six pack, though. That's what y'all to be paying attention to, man. Back then, only me and Lance Armstrong had six pack that damn good, and mine was real. <laughs> right, Lance, Lance is, they, they, you know, that was that was enhanced by Lance, man. That was real, right there, baby. Yeah, I like that. Appreciate that, Matthew. I needed that. That's that's a nice ego boost. I'm gonna go show that to my wife. Inside, when I get inside, show what I used to be.
0: Hey, <laughs> right, Russell Hankel asks us, uh, anyone else as concerned as I am about our defensive tackle situation? Uh, CJ, I see you shaking your head. I'm, I'm concerned about it. I know that much. What about you, CJ?
2: It would have been, uh, you know, a, a grade A concern, right, had uh, Alfred Collins not returned. That's certainly something that is helping ease that. You look at Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, Aaron Bryant, Jare uh, Bledsoe, Sadir Mitchell. Uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's the deepest room, but Texas could certainly be in worse positions on the defensive line. Uh, it is going to need another body some somewhere. Um, whether that's Alex January taking a massive step forward this spring in the weight room or, you know, from the portal, I think Texas will go to the portal. I think they're going to go want somebody with production and experience on the snaps. Um, I, I, think, the defensive tackle is going to take a step back. It was always going to take a step back because of what Texas lost. Yeah. It could be in much worse shape um, right now, but it is at least I would consider it to be the biggest weak spot or biggest question mark really uh, heading into 2024 on the defensive
0: side of the ball. Hold on, Bobby. Rod, uh, you agree with that biggest question mark, not only yeah, on defense, I, but maybe the entire team.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's the entire team, uh, honestly. I mm-hmm. think you're gonna look at you know now what they've done with the wide with the raw receiver room and the passing game overall now, potentially um offensive line looks great. quarterback looks good, running back room. you're <laughs> returning some major assets there as well. You know, defensive backfield, we just got done saying, depending on how things shake out here uh, in the next coming days, the transfer portal, that could end up being a strength for you. Definitely not going to be a weakness of what they're adding in defensive backfield. Uh, The young linebackers, you got Anthony Hill, you got Mo Blackwell Bendis coming back with that group. Um, We love what what the defensive ends are, especially adding a guy like Trey Moore, Colin Simmons coming in, uh, the recruiting class off the edge. It just seems, you know, when you've had – a rotation of five or four NFL defensive tackles the last two years, and those guys are in they end up getting drafted. I mean, there are like three or four schools in the country that can even say that. I don't even know if I mean I gotta go do some research. Not many schools can say that they've had a rotation of four or five NFL defense lines that are going to be drafted. And Texas had that luxury the last two years, and now you lose to the line coach on top of losing that depth. I like Alfred Collins, I like Brennan Broughton, but are you gonna have two? to three more NFL caliber defensive linemen rotating behind them? Cause that's what you've had the last two years. That's, that's asking a lot. So I think CJ's just being realistic and saying, yeah, man, it's going to be a natural regression, natural drop off. Um, you know, I think the, I, the optimistic part of me would like to say that those guys behind Alfred Collins and behind Vernon Barton will step up, but if they don't, I still think Alfred Collins and Vernon Brodner are enough so that it's not a weakness for you. But looking at the roster right now, yeah, it may be the weakest, weakest part of the roster. But that's just because your roster is strong. That's more, I think, what it is. The roster is strong, so it's the weakest part of the roster now. But that is a hell of a drop-off going from being the best D-tackle room in the country to being the weakest position group on the team. That's that's a drastic drop-off. And that that's a lot for... I don't know the the defensive coordinators, defensive coaches, to have to cali- recalibrate, if you will.
0: I, I'm concerned about it because I, I, there's the the other issue that I think is the elephant in the room. They're also going into a run heavy conference in the SEC, That's so true. I think you add that to the add that element to that, and I think you're talking about bigger bodies and more of them potentially that you need. Uh, to hold up long-term over the course of a season. So I'll, I'll put that out there. That's my other concern, that it's almost like uh, Texas's weakness against Washington, we knew it going in. You know what I mean? It was the secondary yeah. versus Washington. It's almost like the, the SEC's strength going into a season typically is the run game, and they're big guys up front on both sides. And if Texas doesn't have that, is that – you know, could that be more than one loss uh, because yeah. of it? So that, that's why, Russell, to your point, I, I am very concerned about it. Uh, all right, the last one for the night uh, here uh, from Juan. Bobby, since Texas is possibly losing Freddie Roach, uh, be, since he's being retained in Alabama, where does Texas go and will they get a home run hire? I can't promise that it's a home run hire. Uh, I, I think that uh, we'll find out sooner rather than later exactly what Texas does. Uh, but I don't think that Sark is on his, uh, has to get something done right away. I think he's willing to wait as well. I, I've said this multiple times. He's more about getting it right than getting it done quickly. Uh, he did. He's done that in the, the portal as well. Uh, some other news and notes uh, that uh, I think are out there right now. You know, Texas waiting uh, to uh, hear back uh, from Silas Bolden, Matthew Golden. Uh, gonna see what's going on with that one uh, right now uh, as well, uh, and then also uh, there's a couple other things that. Uh, wait, wait a minute. What do you got here, CJ? Or, or, excuse me, Rod. Bill Norton is that the hire Nansen? Is that what you're talking about, Bud? Are you sending that tweet, or is that somebody else no. that's sending that to me?
2: I'm looking at Jacob Manu's Twitter, the linebacker out of Arizona, who's. Hire or tweeting out hashtag hire Nance and you click on it, and it's got some traction from uh, Arizona Uh-oh. players. It's got traction from the Arizona community. So I don't Uh-oh. know. It's uh, it's something that they're pushing for right now, at least over on Arizona Twitter.
0: Yeah, uh, well, we'll see if that has any legs. Uh, probably in the next uh, 24, Uh-oh. 48 hours. I wouldn't mm. think of that, but uh, we'll see. All right, guys, uh, that that's gonna do it for tonight, uh, Longhorns. Uh, waiting for a number of different things to happen uh, and uh, going through the process. Uh, but a big day overall uh, with the addition of Isaiah Bond, the wide receiver out of the out of uh, the University of Alabama. Uh, you know, 10, 500 meter, 21 flat, 200 meter. Uh, just absolutely speed demon. Uh, scored a touchdown against Texas, by the way. You'll, many people will remember that. Also scored that big touchdown against Auburn, the game winner, uh, in the back corner of the end zone. Uh, then also Dwayne Aquino. Uh, it returns to the Longhorns uh, after a uh, a long, a too long time away uh, for Coach <laughs> Bennett, back as an on-field or off-field analyst role. All right, for Rod Babers and C.J. Vogel, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, that's been this episode of the Longhorn Live Stream on Texas Football. them everybody. Have a good week.
1: Welcome.